Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we take a look at the happenings of the markets today, highlight of the day would have been the wheat market in what we saw for a Friday trade action. This crop, as we know, has had some struggles here in the U.S. and as we've talked throughout this week, struggles globally. So we're going to find out what's happening there. And as the tensions build once again with China, there was a purchase of some old crop beans, but is it that olive branch type of purchase? We're going to talk more about it as Heather Ramsey joins us today with the ARC group. And Heather, as we look at it, kind of funny to have the wheat be the highlight of the day. Not to say that it's not a good thing but we know that there's some struggles going on there yeah the wheat market's been really choppy really up and down the last couple years of growing wheat um if there's any growers out there they know it's not been super fun and it's been a challenge so to see us put in another little bump here is kind of bittersweet because we know we're getting this rally uh this this little correction here in wheat because we've got production issues and it's not just in the u.s that we've got production issues we're talking about um, the european union countries as well um, it looks like we're expecting to see a reduction in the eu wheat crop primarily from like the western part of the european uh, countries there like france and germany and united kingdom um, definitely going to see some reduction in those numbers for sure I would guess we're going to see some reduction in some of the numbers out of the U.S. as well. We're hearing lots of problems with wheat um, and as far as, you know, what's heading out right now and what does that production actually look like. We're just lots of variances and, and mixed results across the board. So because of those uncertainties, we're seeing the wheat market rebound a little bit here. I will say um, when you start looking at what to do with wheat at harvest, we are definitely seeing the continued payout of protein. So if this is a year where we can manage uh, to get some production that is a higher protein, you know, those premium structures are still there in the cash market, which is something I think everyone has to be really cognizant of as they go forward into this uh, wheat harvest is, you know, get that wheat tested and see what you have because in a year that's rough anyways, we need to be able to take full advantage if we do have something people are willing to pay for, and that would be protein in this instance. So definitely encouraging everybody to think about their logistics and whether or not they can put it into a bin and get things tested before they take it to town to try and make something happen with the suite. Trying to just, I guess, trying to just make a positive out of a negative some days, Susan, is, is <laughs> what we do. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the rains that we saw earlier this week, um, as one wheat producer in Kansas said, it was a million-dollar rain for some folks because it's going to keep their wheat alive and the corn and the beans that they'd already got in the ground. But we know that this weather is going to definitely continue to be a struggle as we look globally and locally. Yeah, and really the market is going to start shifting to uh, this weather being kind of their dictator of what we decide to do day in and day out. And um, the last several years of trading and watching the market trade on weather markets, it's very choppy, very messy because we get so many updated weather predictions in a week now. Um, there's a few days a week where we actually get a morning and an afternoon from the same sources, you know. So, so funds and traders alike are trading weather all the time now. Right now, um, for the next six to ten days, it looks like above average heat below average rainfall i don't know that anyone's going to complain about the below average rainfall and honestly right now i don't think anyone's going to complain about the above average heat because we've been so cool and damp we really need this to keep forcing our crops 
to, you know, mature and, and produce. So um, for the corn and soybean guys, yeah, for sure, this is super beneficial. The next next week's worth of forecast, um, so glad that the wheat guys got some rain because especially down into that um, southwest Kansas region, I know that they've been super dry, and it was really good to see um, a lot of those areas get rain. But that is what the market's going to start focusing on, not so much whether or not we have crop issues, just the potential to have crop issues based on the weather. So these are always fun markets to start trying to negotiate um, once we switch to weather. You know, it's kind of nice to be able to say, okay, now it's a weather-focused market once again, because that's kind of a norm that we're used to in these markets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if we can get into that um trading type rhetoric and do something somewhat normal maybe we can start to get a feel for what our next decision should be around our marketing plans you know from my standpoint timing is always a huge importance for us and so we're coming into crunch time here on what typically would be the tail end of our higher um, pricing season Uh, with that being said obviously when you look at the markets and what the actual numbers say this is not a high price by any means. Um, this is a price that we all kind of scratch our head and wonder, what are we going to do with this? But, you know, in that case, we know that timing's super important. We know the market's going to start trading to weather. So any little blip we get is something that we need to be able to take advantage of um, while we can, while the, while time is still on our, on our side, essentially. China, and we know the tensions and, and the president making his comments today, I think one of the best tweets I saw was, thank goodness, you know, the markets are closed. Because we know that what is being said this afternoon by the president is going to have an effect when those markets reopen on Sunday night. Yeah, you know, it's it's really hard to know what to think anymore about what the market will um, focus on or not. But when the president tweets and make statements and, and opinions on behalf of the United States, they always, the market always responds. And, you know, it, it's somewhat of a dilemma um, you put yourself in when you're in the ag business today and you want your markets to rebound and you want to do business with our biggest buyer because we need that from an economic standpoint. Um, but it's a completely other moral and ethical dilemma, too, that we're being faced right now with China and Hong Kong and everything going on over there. So, you know, the markets are going to respond. Um, I would agree. Thank goodness the market was closed before he had his press conference today. Um, I think we're going to put in a positive week uh, for the most part. Look around, folks. Can we come back? We've got more to focus on. We'll continue to look at China in the markets with beans in Brazil and then what's happening on the livestock side as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing the conversation with Heather Ramsey of the ARC Group. And Heather, the conversations, and I've talked about this with other commodity folks as well, is the conversations we have during the commercial break sometimes are just as entertaining as what we talk about in the markets in general. And we're going to kind of run the gamut on this a little bit. I wanted to finish up our conversation about China, but we did have a producer that had an oats question. So just to let him know, we will get to that here in just a few moments. But let's talk about China quick. Uh, Brazil, the purchase of beans, it seems like they just continue to gravitate towards Brazil, blowing off the United States. Yeah, you know, it does tend to feel that way in, in some respects. And part of me looks at this from like, okay, let's let's be the eyes wide open bystander here and look at why that, that makes sense for them. You look at how much money they have invested in Brazil, and obviously that's going to be probably their partner of choice for soybeans. That's where their money is working and their infrastructure and things like that. Um, 
we probably will start to see a little bit more of a switch back here. And we've seen we've seen a few extra purchases here um, from China lately. We're post-harvest in Brazil right now. We're actually coming into their dry season pretty quick here. I think uh, about a month away, which means there's absolutely nothing um, that is allowed to be planted and harvested for a commodity during that window. So we're getting close to that. Um, so we're post-harvest. There's obviously plenty of beans to move yet in Brazil, but we're starting to kind of wind down on on some of the real busy activity. So there's obviously a, a lot of purchases that China has made from Brazil. We're not seeing near the volume that we'd like to see. I think total, we're probably looking at between old crop and new crop, somewhere in the 16 million metric ton neighborhood is the numbers I see. So they've made some purchases, but not near near what we'd like or even close to you know the promises of the phase one deal and obviously a lot of that and the details of that are still up in the air right now with what's going on so you know it makes sense that they would go to brazil first when you think about it i hate to say that because i want it to be us you know i want it to be the u.s i want it to be my farmers beans that are getting exported but um i'm not surprised to see that they still hold you know more volume and more more transactions also in general their their crop is huge so um, you know, they're, they're out producing us. If you got to buy big bulk quantity, you go to the biggest guy and you ask for it, you know, so that doesn't surprise me either. Well, we know there was a purchase of some old crop beans uh, from the United States. And that's when I was talking about that whole olive branch thing going on. Is it just going to continue? I mean, they get the better beans right now, the fresher beans, shall we say, coming out of Brazil. Yeah, it's it's so weird, right? So, you know, we've talked about this. I was down there in January and got to see this firsthand. And as much as they are the fresher beans, me personally, I still don't think they're the better beans, you know, because like, I've seen what the quality has been like. Um, I know our quality is really, really good. I think maybe you and I had talked about this in the past, but when it comes to feeding that massive quantity of livestock and people that they're feeding in China, quality maybe isn't the best the, the thing they're looking for, you know. So quantity over quality, I think, is where their mindset is at still. And that also tends to come with, you know, the cheapest price first, obviously. And unfortunately for us, even though our bean prices dropped significantly, from a production cost standpoint to versus what we have to have to make it work, we're a lot less willing to budge on those prices and negotiate on the side for large, you know, volume versus I think Brazil probably is. You know, their cost of production is way less. Uh, they got the quantity. And so in, in that case, if you're China, you know, you want biggest quantity, cheapest price right now. Someday that will change. You know, like someday they will definitely be looking more towards the quality and, and what kind of benefits it brings to them. But right now, um, where they're still listed as a developing com- country, you know, they're worried about feeding people. And so, you know, quantity and, and price is still really important to them. Let's look at the, the question that came in from the producer about the correlation between the corn price and the oat price. And uh, you and I are too young to fully grasp this whole oats nose thing, but it is seem to be following a trend that everybody's talking about the correlation between these two crops. Yeah, everyone is talking about it. And I, yeah, I'm just kind of like, I don't understand what that means. Um you know, I came into the business well after oats was a hot commodity. And so I just kind of did a little research, did some digging, and it's like, okay, well, let's let's also look at the RSI related to corn and beans right now. Is that showing a pattern? You know, is corn is 
was on the verge of oversold, not quite there. Is our oats going to match? And they don't. They they are completely opposite as far as relative strength goes. So that doesn't really correlate. Um, they have they have definitely changed directions here uh, this week on oats. If you're looking at a chart, What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Heather. Uh, they can reach me anytime here in the office. It's uh, 402-484-7474, and I'm extension 125. Or check us out on our website at agriskconsulting.net. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell has been brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealer. You can check it out as a podcast at our website at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe for your podcast and on Spotify as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.